Blog Talk Radio. Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and welcome to Zohar and 15. I want to thank so many of you for making this uh, new broadcast series, uh, Zohar and 15, so incredibly successful in the very beginning of it. We have four episodes in, and we are at 3,700 listeners, uh, listens already. And again, I'm just overwhelmed by it. Thank you so much for your support. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please email Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that is Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Tonight, we're going to be in the Zohar, Volume 17, uh, a section called Naso, and verse 27 of it, talking about how our actions matter. Our actions matter. Your choices and my choices do not just affect uh, us. They affect the entire world. I want to say that again. The choices that we make... uh, they don't just affect us. They affect the entire world. And it's really hard sometimes for us to grasp that concept and to really understand it. But this is a life-changing spiritual concept. The thinking that a decision that you could make tonight, it's 9.30 here in Mountain Standard Time in Colorado Springs, that you could make a decision tonight at 9.31 that actually would affect somebody in India or Japan, or Denver, if you don't want to go that far. Uh, Every single action that we take, everything that we do, affects the entire world. This is a life-changing spiritual concept. And I want to stop for just a moment and pray that our minds can be opened up to this powerful spiritual tool. Just a, a short prayer, just reminding ourselves how important it is to be open to the idea that what we do matter. Father, in your name, We give you the glory. Thank you so much for communicating with us, for loving us, for providing us with this world and so many amazing things. But help us as we look at this verse and the section from the Zohar tonight that we can learn that our lives have tremendous impact, not just in what we see, but in many people around us. Verse 27. How many others are hurt because of one wicked person in the world? Woe to the wicked man and woe to his neighbor. Look at Jonah. Because he had no wish to go on his master's mission, how many people could have perished at sea because of him, until they all gathered about him to judge him and convict him, and throw him into the sea? They, then they were all saved, and the Holy One, blessed be he, had mercy on him, upon him. Afterwards, he saved a great many in the world, that is, the people of Nineveh. When was this? When he repented before his master in his distress. This is what is meant by, I cried to Hashem out of my distress, and he heard me, from Jonah chapter 2-3. And out of my distress, I called upon Yahweh. He answered me with liberation. And that's Psalms 118.5. The rabbis and sages state that very beginning section, how many others are hurt because of one, the, of one wicked person in the world. They make that section as a statement, not as a question. And to them, it's not a matter of whether it's going to happen. They just know that it is going to happen. Others hurt by one. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Because remember, our actions truly do matter. Wrong, wrong and wrongdoing, they have a multiplying effect. They make things worse in a lot of different ways. 
And we'll get into the story of Jonah here in just a moment. Interesting that they would pick Jonah. But he says this, woe to the wicked, and woe to the guy that lives next door to him. See, think about that. Woe to the wicked, because you're violating the principles of, of God. You're going against the grain. You're, you're stopping doing what God is asking you to do. But also, woe to the guy who lives next door to him. Why, why do I need to worry about who I live next door to? Why is it woe to me? Because his actions will bleed over into our actions in the way that we think. I, even in my little neighborhood here with four or five houses on the street, there's some interesting people that live on the street. And when you drive by one set of them, you say, oh, hi, how are you? And you wave. And when you drive by the other set of them, you hiss at them. Ah! You make jokes about houses falling out of the sky and landing on them. What's the difference? What's happening is we're allowing in our lives, by the way, we're allowing their actions to control the actions that we want to have out. We'll talk about that perhaps in another episode. But we bring this tremendous woe into our lives. And these woes that he's talking about here in verse 27, these woes become part of our speech and part of our actions. And I want to explain that. I want you to really think about this for a minute. Have you ever had a situation where somebody just took a real big run at you or lit you up or said mean things about you? And then you're talking to your wife and then you're talking to your kids or you're talking to your friend. Does it carry over? Or do you just kind of check that out and say, okay, well, that was over. Now I'll just be a nice guy. It affects us. The words of someone else changes sometimes our mind and our attitude and our disposition. And then the next time we go to talk to somebody, all that upsetness and anger and hostility comes out in it. Our woes come out in our speech and our action. They come out in, in everything that we do. And I want you to think for just a moment, what would your world be like? What would your world be like? What would your life be like if you didn't have any woe in it? We're saying W-O-E here. If you didn't have any woe in it, what would you do with the extra time? How would you invest that time if you lived a life in such a way that your life actually had no woes in it? Because you didn't, you realize that your choices and the things that you say affect others, you made the right kinds of choices. It's interesting that they talk about, look at Jonah. How many of you Jonah's an interesting person to choose as an example in this. But how many of you have ever looked at Jonah, especially talking about him as an evil person? Anybody listening ever actually think of Jonah as somebody who's evil? The verse tells us that Jonah had no desire to, or no wish to go on his master's mission. What was the result of that? What happened because Jonah decided he didn't want to do what God wanted to do? We'll be right back after this brief commercial break to talk about that. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. For your next upcoming event. Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Jonah's an interesting guy to pick. He had no desire to go the direction of his master of the universe. He said, No, I'm not going to Nineveh. So what happened? Now, forget the whale story for a minute, because that comes later. What was the actual result? The part we don't talk about, and that we don't hear a lot of all talking about, is what happens before people's lives become into intimate danger in the physical realm. You guys remember the story. He's on the boat. that starts tossing it around. He goes and tells them, oh, we got this going on in my life. 
and they th- decided to throw him overboard. We'll get to that in just a minute. But they were in immediate danger because of his actions. Think about – let's put it in a more modern of a setting. I want you to think about like a police chase. We always watch those things on television, right? And they got the helicopter, and they're chasing the guy, and they're running red lights. And I'm always amused by the the uh, news announcers. This guy has a reckless sense of endangering the lives of others. Look at him go on the wrong side of the road. Look at him do this. The guy's a bank robber. You think he's worried about that? Or do we really think that he's driving that car saying, boy, oh, boy, I really hope I don't hit anybody in my car. I hope I don't do this. No, he's running for his life. He's not worried about anybody else. He's not thinking about anybody else or what would happen in this chase. And by the way, all those chases kind of seem to end up the same. That's why I don't watch them anymore. Somebody crashes and somebody gets caught. But they don't worry about running somebody over in the street or smacking into somebody else's car because that's not where their head's at. Their head's all about their own life, all about their own decisions, all about escaping this chasing that's going on and be perfectly fine with risking the lives of all the people that are around them. But Jonah was willing to do that too. As he's fleeing away, he gets on the boat and instead of going left, he goes right. He's fleeing away. All these things happen. And there was tremendous fear and possible loss of life that was happening on this boat. Now, we know that didn't happen, but I want you to think about this. There was tremendous fear and possible loss of life. These people felt like this ship was going to go down. How did this happen? What brought this situation on? One person's decision. Nobody got on that boat and said, boy, I hope somebody gets on this boat and really aggravated God and got him all mad so he'll flip the boat around and I'll feel like my life is in danger today. Nobody thought that. Nobody thought that. Now, they decide to throw him into the sea. Now, what kind of decision is that to make? I mean, I've had some people really make me mad before, but I've never thought to myself, I'll just throw him in the ocean. So they decide to throw him in the sea, and of course, as that happens, it calms down, he goes down, now we're at the part of the whale. But after the whale goes on, Jonah goes on to be used by God to save many people, particularly in Nineveh, uh, in the world. And he also becomes a very, very cool flanograph story. And let's face it, the Jonah the whale story is really good. Now, Jonah's later accomplishments, the later things he does, were recorded after he repented. After he came clean with his situation. It's interesting that the verse says that I cried out to, to Hashem, I cried out to God in my distress, and he heard me, Jonah 2.3. We have to get to that point. But Jonah's action of saying, one man, one man's decision to say, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to go right into right down the, the stream instead of up the stream, put other people's lives in peril and other people's lives in danger. Now, we know, bless his name, the master of the universe was in control of the whole situation, but it probably didn't feel like that to those people that were in that boat or even to Jonah at the time. So I want to ask you a couple of really difficult questions in our last couple of minutes here together. And if you stuck through this broadcast to make it to this mark, these are going to be some good questions. I want you to think how your concealed life is impacting your revealed life. Let me say that again. Think of how your concealed life is impacting your revealed life. When Jonah got on the boat, he probably looked like everybody else on that boat, and not very many people knew that, I bet that's the guy who's running away from God that's going to be risking all of our lives by getting on this boat. Nobody thought that. It was concealed. Jonah was hiding this in his heart. He was he was pulling back and, and not telling them what was happening. He looked like a regular guy. He seemed like a regular guy. He was on the boat with all the regular guys, but something happened. 
his actions mattered and it impacted the lives of others. What are you pretending not to know? What is it in your life right now that you're pretending not to know? That you know is not right? Maybe you're harboring some real hatred in your life for other people, for another person. You know, the phenomenon of Facebook is very, very interesting because you get to listen to a lot of people's opinions and thoughts, aside from taking pictures of themselves in the bathroom. It's interesting when I'll make a comment on Facebook and some people say, oh, that's kind of funny, or they just say that's really interesting. But other people are extremely judgmental, extremely hateful in their remarks. They talk about, oh, you're implying this and you're doing this. No, I just made a post. I just was saying something. Because they have a concealed life. Something's wrong on the inside. There are people out there right now, believe this or not, there are people out there right now who want your marriage to fail. They want you to fail at your work. They want you not to be happy. Because they have a concealed life. They're miserable, and they want everyone around them to be miserable. But what is it you're pretending not to know? What's not right? And you know that it's not right. We're not just talking about your work ethic, or we're not just talking about you know, uh, your aggravation with this, or you sure hope this guy gets elected. We're not talking about that. I'm asking you a question. What are you pretending not to know? Uh, more importantly, what are you looking away from seeing? What are you looking away from seeing? You see, every, uh, every decision we make, every word we speak, every act, you believe it or not, each of our actions matter, and they shape the relationships, they shape our jobs, they shape our lives, because we're doing one of two things. We're living a life of concealment, where people don't really know who we are and what we're about, or we're living a life of revealment, where what you see is what you get. Or people don't understand our life of being revealed, our revealed life. They don't understand it because they don't understand the concealed part, the part you're hiding that's really fueling your or your disappointment or your bitterness. Why? Because your actions matter. And we cannot change our past. And people say, no, but you sure can learn from it. More importantly, we can live in the present without those problems, without those decisions, realizing that what we say and what we do affects the lives of other people, affects the way people see the world. My hope and prayer for you is that you could see how important your everyday actions are and not to live a life of concealment, but revealment. What you see is what you get. And that you don't have those harboring bitterness, hatred, and judgment for other people. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining me on Zohar in 15. See you next week.